0: Ruth chapter 1, verse 19. This is in the middle of the story of Naomi and her daughter-in-law, Ruth, returning to Bethlehem, Judah. So they too went until they came to Bethlehem. It came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem. that all the city was moved about them. And they said, is this Naomi? And she said unto them, call me not Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call you me, Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? Tonight, I want to speak on the subject, living with loss, healing. With hope. And God bless you. Please be seated. I usually don't point out the graphic that has the title, but when Ryan sent this to me today, I thought this kind of says it. They are fading and blooming flowers. Amen. Uh, on July 19th, according to my Evernote, I was praying and this idea came to my mind made a note, and I jotted several other thoughts along the way. Since then, a couple of days ago, this theme came back to my mind, not a part of a series of messages that I've taught for the past two weeks, and I made a feeble attempt to uh, go back and look at a part three of the last two messages, but try to listen to the Lord, and it just didn't feel right. So then I always do a search, a global search of my computer, and lo and behold, I taught on living with loss, on May 4th, 2022, just a little over a year ago. So I'm not being dramatic, but I thought, well, I can't teach on that again. I just taught on it a year ago, but then this theme would not go away. I reviewed my notes and my jottings, and I want to teach on this theme again, but from a totally different scriptural perspective and with a focus on healing with hope that was not part of that message before and by the way, there's, there's a book, it's not a really long book, by this exact title, Living with Loss, Healing with Hope, was written by a Jewish rabbi. I bought this book on Kindle and read it last night. Uh, it didn't take a super long time. And I thought, you know, when I teach a series, usually I review what I taught a week ago. So I'm going to review what I taught a year ago. How's that? And then lots of new stuff. And you're welcome to go back. May 4th, 2022, if you'd like to watch a different message on living with loss, it would probably help you. Amen. I, I taught that night from uh, the story of Mary from Luke two thirty four, when Simeon prophesied over Mary that this child was set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. And then he said, And a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of the hearts of many be revealed. In other words, Mary, you're going to share the suffering of your son. And uh, this is at the dedication of Jesus Christ that Mary is going to experience loss in her life. She lost a sense of normalcy when she consented to be the mother of the Messiah, she experienced the loss of her reputation. Uh, according to history and the text of uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it seems that Joseph died somewhere between Jesus being 12 and starting his ministry. She lost her husband. She experienced a loss of ministry to Jesus. He was anointed and went off to not stay around the carpenter's shop and do what the Son of God was called to do. And uh, he would not even really, she would worry about him. There's a couple of places in Scripture where she was worried that he is kind of overbalanced in ministry and not taking care of himself. Uh, he evidently didn't go back home and stay at her house because he said the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man doesn't even have a place to lay his head. She watched his suffering. She experienced loss again when he died on the cross. I talked about the Holmes Ray stress scale. A pretty good detail uh, back in May a year ago. And then losses in the Bible. Loss of relationships. And I gave details and stories behind these. Loss through death. Loss of the familiar. A loss of friends through betrayal or misunderstanding. Job, David, Jesus, and Paul were my examples. And then how to live with loss. That you should grieve your loss. Learn from your loss. Look to the future. And lean on the Lord. And I will repeat that later at the end. But tonight I want to tell the story of Naomi in the book of Ruth. This story is set in the days of the judges. So it's interesting that this is kind of inserted in that time period uh, when judges ruled the land. And there was a famine in the land in Bethlehem, Judah. And so uh, a man and his wife decided that, Times were bad in the church in Bethlehem, Judah, so they would leave. So they did. The man's name was Elimelech. Her name was Naomi. They had two sons. Uh, you should use these names with your children, Malon and Chilion. They were of the tribe of Ephraim, um, Bethlehem, Judah. So they left, and they made this sojourn. It really wasn't a, an extremely long journey, and they went down to Moab, a Gentile nation. But while they were there, the Bible says in verse 2 that they continued there. So they were there for a little while and Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And all she had was her two sons. But her two boys, Malon and Shilion, got married to Gentile women. This would not have been the plan for a Jewish father and mother that your boys would marry out of the church, that they would marry out of the faith, but they did. One was named Orpah, and the other was named Ruth. And about 10 years went by. We don't know the exact time frame, but the Bible said they dwelled there about 10 years. And then her two boys died, Malon and Shilion, and it would seem that it happened fairly close together. And Malon and Shilion died, Also, both of them. We don't know if it was hours, days, weeks, or months, but her husband is now dead. Her boys are dead. She is living with loss. Now, Naomi has lots of losses in her life. She's lost her familiar home, or she grew up in Bethlehem, Judah. It was after their family moved to Moab and continued there that Elimelech, her husband, died. So now she's a widow. She's lost her husband. She's lost her sons. And she does have her Moabitess daughters-in-law who seem to be very good to her. And they had a good relationship from the snippets of scripture that we see. But then 10 years later, of course, they're gone. Malon and Shilion. Verse 5 says, and Malon and Shilion died also, both of them. It's like the writer of Ruth is rubbing it in a little bit, you know, about the losses of Naomi, and left of her two sons and her husband. So this is a woman who has lost a lot. She experienced loss through death. And I read that death doesn't just happen to the person who dies. It also happens to those who are left behind. And it's important to not compare your loss with the loss of other people. Each death is different. Each bereavement is unique. Uh, I have been here 28 years this month as pastor. And I have walked through the valley of the shadow of death with many of you. And you have walked through the valley of the shadow of death with our family. Many of us have experienced the loss of death. And I have learned that each experience is different. Each person is different. No one needs to tell you how you walk through that valley. It's just important that you walk through it and don't live there forever. When it's the death of a child, it's the death of your future. When it's the death of a parent, it's the death of your past. When it's the death of a spouse, it's like the death of the present. Naomi continued to grieve over what would be known as living loss, not the loss of someone who passed away, but a loss that seems to continue on. Losses that she could not bury. The nagging guilt of the decisions that she and Elimelech had made to leave Bethlehem, Judah, and go to a Gentile country, Moab, and sojourn there. Living in a strange country, everything was different. The produce was different. The meat was different. The stores were different. The people were different. It was all very different. She experienced the losses of the familiarity of her home, living in a strange country. And then while she's there, the loss of her husband, the loss of her sons, she's grieving all of that. She and Elimelech believed that they were making a good decision when they left their homeland in a time of leanness and famine. But now, in retrospect, she compares where she is now with where she was. Later, she will say, I left full and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Her perspective has changed dramatically. Now, in the middle of all of this loss, Naomi decides that she is going home. She's lived in Moab long enough. She's going back. I cannot imagine how much courage it took for Naomi to make this decision and then make this journey. She gets her daughters-in-law, and they evidently start out with her for a while. I don't really know how long she prayed about and pondered this decision to return home to Bethlehem, Judah. She felt the connection to Moab. After all, Moab was where Elimelech was buried. Moab was where Malon and Shilion were buried. And their graves no doubt called to her And she felt a sense of permanence there because of that. But their graves were merely silent reminders of better days before all of that happened. A time in life when they were all living and they were all happy and they all had a bright future. Well, eventually this word had filtered from Bethlehem Judah that the famine was over and this settled it for Naomi. It's time to go back home. She wondered about doing this and a pull of home. Became stronger than the pain that she felt in Moab. So she's going back. She needed to tell the girls, and you know, as I mentioned, they start going with her. This interaction in the book of Ruth, this is only four chapters, and out of the 1100 and something chapters in the Bible where there's an economy of words, it's interesting uh, that there are 10 verses that describe this conversation between Naomi. Orpha and Ruth. So, you know, she tells them, I want you girls to go back to your mother's house. It's interesting that she doesn't say father's house. The commentaries say that they might be implying, go back to your mother's house, that's where you're to be married. And so she's saying that. And she says, the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. Remember, I told you that she had a good relationship with her daughters-in-law. But Naomi's prayer when the Lord deal kindly with you was more than just saying you know goodbye and God bless you. It's kind of formally freeing them from any future future responsibility to her. In other words she's saying I'm going home. You go back to your home. You don't owe me anything. You've been kind to me. You've been kind to the dead. Now go back and start your life again. And She's not going to be in a position to ever do anything for them. So she prays that God will take care of them in her stead. She prays that God will show them providence. And you can see that she really has nothing. She has no resources. She's not sending them back with the gift, with money, only a prayer. She's powerless to repay their kindness. The Lord... Grant you, she says, that you might find rest. Each of you in the house of your husband, she kissed them and they all lifted up their voices and they cried. This is a, a sad moment. And they both say, you know, we're going back with you. Naomi says, no, I don't go with me. I don't have any more sons in my womb and that they may be your husbands. And even if I, you know, was expecting tonight, Uh, You wouldn't live long enough. You shouldn't wait long enough till I would raise more boys for you. Go back home. Get a husband. I'm too old for that. And then uh, she says in verse 13 on the screens, Would you tarry for them till they were grown? Would you stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me. This is what I want you to see in this verse. It grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. In this idea of Naomi living with loss, she's saying to them that one aspect of my loss is how my poor decisions have affected you. I'm sorry, girls, that because we moved here and you married my boys and now they're dead and my husband's dead. and I'm having a leave that I'm leaving you behind. She's grieved over the pain of the decisions that caused these two innocent women to suffer. Maybe she feels like her testimony is tarnished in some way that these girls are left like this. She tells them the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. She really believes that she is suffering as some sort of a judgment of God. That God is punishing me She doesn't really say because of poor decisions, but she says that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Maybe like losing her husband and her sons were consequences for their poor decisions. Now she feels like these girls are paying the price for what she and Elimelech decided well over a decade ago. This is how she feels. They lift up their voice. They weep again. Orpha kisses her. But Ruth holds on to her. And she says to Ruth, look, your sister-in-law, Orpha, she, she's gone back. Gone back to her people and to her gods. Now, this is interesting and I'm really not, this is not part of my message. But Orpha's going back to the religion, the false religion that she had embraced maybe all of her life. Her only hope of salvation was being introduced to this family from Bethlehem, Judah. So he, she says, I want you to go, Ruth, go back after your sister. And then we have these famous words, you know, uh, that, w- that sometimes we use in weddings. Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodge, I will lodge." Thy people shall be my people and thy God shall be my God. That is an amazing testimony that must have blindsided Naomi. <clears throat> that Ruth saw Naomi's God. Where you die, I will die and I will be buried. The Lord so do to me and more also if anything aught but death part thee and me. And when... Naomi saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her. She left speaking unto her like, okay, I've done my best to send you home. But if you're going, then let's go. So, Ruth is determined to stay with this woman, Naomi, who is lost. It seems like she's lost everything. And she She knew what it felt like to lose a husband, and so we're going to do this together. Naomi, in her weakness, maybe her bad decisions, was still the brightest light that Ruth had ever seen. So, they start back home. They say that it was about a seven to ten day journey from the plains of Moab to Bethlehem, a little over 30 miles or so, Um, doesn't seem like a long time, but on foot it is, they said it was a dangerous journey, especially for two women to take alone, vulnerable widows, taking a trip that few women would dare to take without a man, in those chaotic times of the judges, remember, when every man did that which was right in his own eyes, lots of lawlessness in the days of judgment. No streetlights, no paved roads, no rest stops, no security, no highway patrolmen. Easy prey to the bandits in the bushes, and they had to cross the Jordan River and climb 2,000 foot slope back to get home. In the book *Living with Loss*, when I spoke to you about healing with hope, Rabbi Grohlman says of grief: "Grief. It's hard to re-enter the mainstream when you feel that you no longer belong." Withdrawing into isolation, though, is not the answer. He says slowly but steadily, you must find a way to reengage with the business of living. I address this in the message "Living with Loss," but some stories of people that I know closely who gave me personal uh, gave me permission to share those stories with you when I spoke on this May of 2022. But here is here is Naomi. And I think the human tendency would be to just stay away. It's too embarrassing to go back home. Those people know everything about you. But Naomi is, is courageous enough not to make the 30-mile journey, the 7- to 10-day journey, but to make the humiliating journey to go back and face her past. Not a, not a sinful past, but the past of leaving when others stayed. Naomi is living with loss, but the book of Ruth does not leave her in the depths of despair. God, in his mercy, leads Naomi on a journey from loss to hope. Now, Naomi's view of herself and her life is that life is bitter. She doesn't say that she is bitter. But life is bitter. And she identifies with the bitter experiences of her life. Ruth 1.20. Back to our text. And she said unto them, call me not Naomi, call me Mara. The Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi Seeing the Lord had testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me. Life has changed her identity. Her name is Naomi. And if you look it up in Bible dictionaries, Naomi means pleasantness or my delight. One Bible commentary, Easton's Bible Dictionary rather, not commentary, says that Naomi means lovable. But multiple Bible dictionaries says pleasantness, delight. So when you said Naomi, it kind of just brightened you up. Naomi, just saying that sounds that way, doesn't it? Pleasantness, delight. But now Mara is her identity. Mara means bitter. There's no question. You can study it all you want. She said, the Lord has dealt very bitterly with me. And she is referencing something. She's referencing a place where when Israel came out of Egyptian bondage and crossed the Red Sea, the very first place they camped was by the waters of Marah. And it means bitter water. They were waters that you could not drink. And Moses cast in a branch and the bitter waters would made sweet That's how she sees her life. She sees her life as a place of bitterness. Time and hardships have changed her perspective on the past. I mentioned this earlier, but she says, I I went out full. How do you get so desperate in a famine that you don't think you have enough food to live on? It's a famine, but now when you look back, You say, I went out full because life is more than meat. Being full is more than what's in your belly. She looks back on her life that with all the difficulties, you know, that a bad day in the church is better than a good day in the world, right? Bad day in Bethlehem, Judah beats what's happened to me in the last 10 plus years. I just thought there was a famine in the land and uh, all of that. She's living with loss. The loss of her husband, the loss of her sons, the loss of the hope of grandchildren. She thinks that's now dead. The loss of Orpah, the loss of years that can never be brought back. Cannot roll the calendar back. It's just gone. The loss of connection to her homeland and her friends. I mean, if you're gone from someplace over a decade, it could have been much longer, but we know that they continued there. Elimelech died at least a decade past. Malon and Chilion died. So i have just given you that framework. Um, The loss of fullness. Now she's empty. The loss of pleasantness. She's now bitterness. But... I alluded to this a while ago. With all that Naomi is feeling, what is marvelous and makes this story worth telling is that with all her loss, Naomi came home. The Lord hath brought me home again. And I'm just going to say this. It's not part of my message or notes, but I just kind of felt to say it. It doesn't matter how you come back home. Come back home. It doesn't matter how backsliders come back home. They just need to come back home. No matter how humiliated they may feel, they need to come back home. There's a lot for them to overcome to come back home. They may think you hate them, don't love them, are judging them. They probably left out of an offense. They felt empty when they left. But just come back home. She comes back home. She might have battled embarrassment, never wanted to show her face, her face at home again. She feels shame. Her life is bitter, living with loss. But now God gives her healing with hope. So let's talk about that. I told you that the book of Ruth is just four short chapters. You might want to go home and read it. It's such a cool story. But it's long enough that I don't want to read it tonight, right now. Okay. So let me summarize the next chapters. The book of Ruth is a love story. The book of Ruth is about restoration and healing. It's a story of God who is rich in mercy. It's the story of divine providence, handfuls on purpose. God brings hope out of grief and healing out of hurt. God gives Ruth, and this is the love story, a very rich husband named Boaz. Boaz and Ruth have a baby. And this story turns from darkness to light, from bitterness back to pleasantness again. Ruth 4, 13, I will read the last, not the last several verses, but these verses. So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife, and when he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. And the women said unto Naomi, not Ruth, the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day, without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee, not Ruth, but you, Naomi, older lady, bitter feels like there's more in the rear view mirror than there is in the windshield of life, he shall be, he's not left you this day without a kinsman. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life and a nourisher of thine old age. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons have borne him. And Naomi, not Ruth, Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became like a nursemaid to her, to that baby boy. And the woman, her neighbors, the women rather, the women, her neighbors, gave it a name. Don't you like that when all your friends name your kids for you? (laughs) And the women, her neighbors, gave it a name saying, There is a son born to, not not Ruth, it is Ruth's baby, by the way, but there is a son born to Naomi. And they called his name Obed, which means servant, to serve. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. You cannot make up a better story than that. From a bitter life of loss came healing and hope. From a Gentile Moabitess woman named Ruth came the royal line that led to Jesus Christ the Messiah. Naomi's friends, the women knew what this boy Obed would mean to her. He's going to be a restorer of your life. Naomi, you spent years living with loss, but God is healing you with hope. The name Mara is not going to be your name anymore. Naomi, it's not sticking to you anymore. It would seem that as the love story of Ruth and Boaz unfolded that Naomi had overcome feelings that Life was bitter. Her advice to Ruth was really good advice. It did not reflect uh, the feeling that this was going to turn out bad. She was seeing glimmers of hope that God was at work through all of the negativity of her life. Her actions and her words reflect a dependence on God that Naomi had. Her life felt really bitter, but she did not become her circumstances. Through the miracle of marriage of Boaz and Ruth, her friend said, God is going to restore your life, Naomi. But let's be realistic. Elimelech is not coming back to life. Malon and Chilion are gone. So it doesn't mean that everything that she lost is going to miraculously be restored. There are some things that are truly losses in life. But out of the bitterness of loss, God is bringing hope for the future. Naomi had to learn to not live in her past. The past is dead and gone, and it is not the sum total of your life. It's not who you are. It might be where you've been, but it's not who you are. And I know, Naomi, you still feel the grief of loss. How could you ever not feel the loss of your husband and sons? But now, Naomi, you get to let God bring beauty from the ashes. And you let God, you get to let God bring the oil of joy From your mourning. And you let God come in your life and give you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Life is not fair, Naomi, but God is good. Your loss is real. Just just don't live in the pain of loss forever. Let God heal you with hope for the future and ultimately for eternity. He's going to be a restorer and he's going to be a nourisher of your old age. These neighbors tell Naomi, hey, God has not abandoned you in your loss. He's going to provide for you through your grandson. Day by day, God's going to heal you with hope and don't feel that your loss is permanent or that it is a punishment from God. Loss may be a consequence. Loss may be the chastening of the Lord, but God will use that loss to bring you to a place of healing and of hope. But to all of us in 2023, life is filled with losses. We cannot change the past, but we can choose to not be bitter or at least remain bitter. Not all loss is the result of death. I mentioned living losses, and I've read a little bit about living loss. The loss of relationships, the loss of the familiar, the normalcy that we, which I think is a myth, by the way, that life has some normalcy to it. It Seems to be seasonal and changes, and as soon as normal comes, it's replaced by a new normal that is not normal. It's just life. Life has changed. Time has changed. The loss of friends I mentioned, I would give you these four things from the other message. But there are other forms of loss. There's the loss of health, the loss of functionality due to disability. We have people in our church that from accidents without a, a supernatural miracle will live in disabilities for the rest of their human life here on earth. There are the loss of hopes and dreams. Some things that you thought would happen may not happen. There might be the loss of the vision of how your life would go. A friend of mine told me that somewhere in the middle of life you realize that this is my life. Live it to its fullest and its best. and Don't live with the feeling that you never quite got there. That's a torture that you torture yourself with. I mentioned the loss of the familiar. Some of you just sent your kids to kindergarten. And you shouted and cried at the same time. Some of you kids just, some of you parents rather, just took your young adult children to college and if you're like my wife and me, you cried again. Some of your kids are getting married. We've got a lot of weddings coming up. Some of your kids moved away. My mom reminded us that darling David left on the same day. Moved away, went to college. You know, never to permanently return. Those losses should not be debilitating you need to see hope through what you perceive as loss. When all of us grew up and moved away, you know, we, Darren and David still live in South Florida where my mom lived until the last year of her life and she needed to move around and was here for a while. Um, you need to see hope through what you perceive as loss. And there are people in our church that I have watched them go through times when they they lost their spouse twice. They lost them uh, to, to dementia, to maybe losing of their capacity to think and relate and to not even recognize them. Then they lost them to death. If you look back, the feeling of loss can be overwhelming because everybody in this room has some sense of loss, has lost something. When my wife lost her dad. He was only 49. We'd been married two years. That was not an expected loss. But in the middle of a world of loss, where there's sin and despair of this fallen world, hope always sees a better future. It always does. And Naomi seems to have struggled, right, moving From loss to hope, the process of healing for her, for her grief, didn't happen overnight. And it never does. And I said it earlier, but don't ever let anyone impose on you their journey. And how it should be or how long it should take, just keep moving the best you can. Some of you are facing circumstances that will never change without a miracle. And I know this, that focusing on loss, being overwhelmed with grief does not change anything, and it doesn't help anyone. It doesn't help you to drown in despair, and it doesn't help anyone in your life for you to drown in despair. Living with hope is your best hope of spiritual and emotional healing, to live with hope, to live pointed toward the future, amen? You may feel like Naomi, that you're living with losses that can never be recovered, but refuse to be isolated in Moab and refuse to be buried by bitterness, amen? And I wanna just say this, because I don't know how life, how your life will go or The rest of my life will go. But when there is nothing else that seems like a bright spot in your life, I want to just tell you to hope in what we're all supposed to hope in, and that is the hope of heaven. For Paul said, if in this life only we had hope in Christ, we would be of all men most miserable. But now we see beyond the veil of life and death, and we see eternity. And I'm reminded of the words of the revelator John in Revelation 21.4. And God will wipe away all tears, every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, write for these words are true and faithful. Would you please stand? So if you're living with loss, grieve it, grieve your loss. Learn everything you can from your loss. Look to the future and not the past. I don't have time to tell the story. I told it in my previous message. But I'll just say this shortened version. My grandfather and I were talking one day. He lived to be 100 years old. And he had lost his wife, my nana. and She was only 80, so about 20 years he lived his last 20 years without her. And he looked at me one day and he said, Daryl, I miss miss your Nana every day. And I could just kind of hang it up and die. I know if I sat in this house, I wouldn't last long. But I get out in the garden and I do what I can. I just kind of keep looking ahead. And I think, you have to look past time into eternity. If you have a few minutes you'd like to come to the altar, I want to sing what we were singing a while ago. Pardon me for being a little emotional tonight. I just feel the weight of this message. In a world that is filled with despair, on your worst day like Naomi, you may be the brightest hope Ruth has ever seen. So let God move you from living with loss to healing with hope. Amen. As you come to the altar, maybe link up with someone and let's pray together and let's lean on the Lord and let the Lord give us hope for a brighter tomorrow.